Central Beats Podcast, brought to you as ever by Lee Creative. I'm your host, Caro. This episode comes from our B2B superpowered webinar, which we call How to Slay the Trust Terminator. I was joined for this conversation by returning guest Christina Garner, MBA from HubSpot, to discuss superpower tactics for boosting relationships with prospects and building that all important trust. This was a great chat. Christina is no stranger to world superheroes, so without further ado, please enjoy this episode of Super Christina, you have an absolute understanding of uh, superheroes, comic books, pop culture, and that that sense. So that's why I wanted to get you on, particularly to talk about trust. So the Trust Terminator's primary goal is to break down trust between you and your prospects or customers. It uses tactics in deception, lack of transparency, betrayal, poor communication, lack of empathy, and inconsistency to damage your relationship. Before we begin to do battle with the Trust Terminator, Christina, how important is trust in the sales process and what are the consequences of a lack of trust? It's everything. At the end of the day, someone can beat you on multiple pain points. They can beat you on convenience. They can beat you on money. They can beat you on just about anything. But people like doing business with people they like and people they trust. And so even if you sign a contract, you want to believe that you're going to be sending all this money over, that they're going to give you what they've promised. And at the heart, business, especially B2B, it's all about relationships. Trust is absolutely everything. It's that foundation. Absolutely. It's, it's a, I, I joke about this quite a lot, but it is a keystone of all the webinars, all the podcasts. If I've learned yeah. one thing over my time in marketing, it absolutely is people buy from people. Hence, yeah. you know, a, a case in point, as I mentioned, I knew you were aware of sort of pop culture and superhero references, that sort of thing. I knew you'd be all over this because previously we've had conversations where it's come up and I think we bonded quite well over that. We did. Yeah. I am, I am an unabashed nerd, so (laughs) I'm ready for all of it. Excellent stuff. So let's get into it against the trust terminator for our first play. Let's expose the deception piece. What are the deceptive tactics which might undermine trust with a customer? Not listening to them after you've made it clear that you're trying to listen to them. I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of communication that you have where we have like, for example, go into your LinkedIn inbox and they're going to immediately try to associate themselves with you in some way. We're in the same LinkedIn group. We're on this, we're on that. So they're trying to build a bridge saying like, this is something that we have in common. And then before you have any response to it, they usually give you a pitch without asking anything in depth, without trying to get you to know you at all. And so that deception, people are more and more clear on what that looks like. And so instead of it coming from a place of trust, we have an immediate distrust. So there are really good salespeople out there who do amazing job and really take care of their customers, but they're going to have to battle the distrust that consumers have because of previous experiences with other people that they had nothing to do with. We just generally are used to spam now. We have ad blockers. We don't, we don't accept connections from LinkedIn from people that we don't know or have connections similar to because we know what the next tactic is. The next time you're in my inbox, it's a pitch. Whether you know me, don't know me, know what I do, know what I need, all of those things. And so that deception isn't just from you, it's from the past that you have to fight through. And so that's incredibly hurtful. The other thing is that it feels almost like a bait and switch, especially when money's involved. The salesperson's going to say whatever it takes to get them to sign the deal. And then as soon as the deal's signed, 
the fuzzies, the warm and fuzzies are gone. It starts feeling very cold. Then it's almost like you're in a conveyor belt onboarding process. And so the love, like the, the love and connection that they tried to foster when they were trying to sell you immediately evaporates as soon as you sign. And so it's giving like the little mermaid once she signs, like everything changes once the contract signed. And so it's just really, it's really hurtful. And you carry that and you, a lot of people want to quit as soon as they sign because they're like, this is immediately what I was afraid was going to happen. And then they're counting the days until the contract expires. So how, how then do we, um, what, what tactics can we employ to, to ensure that that doesn't happen to ensure that, you know, it's, it's the first step is not, Hey, how you doing? By the way, buy my thing. What can we do about that? I really like the inbound approach where you're creating value for them so that there's a reason for them to come to you versus you spamming them. The other thing that I think that should be a part of the process from sales all the way through their journey as a customer is that you talk to them when you don't need anything. And this is true, not just for business, but for like all walks of life. If you're only reaching out to your friends when you need a favor, you're not really their friend and they are going to figure out that at some point. You need to, you can tell when someone only pings your inbox when it's time to renew or when they need something or when they want you to do something for them. Plant seeds. Yes, it's going to take longer, but those relationships are actually going to be relationships. So if you're doing like cold calls, have a list of like, these are the people I'm starting to seed. I'm not immediately going to pitch to them. I'm going to try to connect with them in a deeper way instead, knowing that they're not going to, they're not going to do anything in the next three to six months. Cause let's be honest, the sales cycle for a lot of businesses right now has slowed down anyway. So it's not like you're hurting yourself because it was already going to take a while. Just be more thoughtful and think about the kind of interaction that you would want if you were a consumer. I think that we kind of get lost in that, that lack of empathy. We're so busy, like chasing a quota that we forget that there's someone on the other end who mm. is just feeling used. It's it's particularly easy when we're leveraging sort of, you know, emails or social media, something that's impersonal, you know, yeah. a cold call. It's not, you know, it's not the most personal interaction you can have it, but it is way more personal than just receiving an email into your inbox, I suppose. So mm. uh, I just want to pick up on, you mentioned um, empathy in that one. And a lot of, as you know, a lot of superhero origin stories begin with an event of tragedy, meaning yeah. that we empathize with our hero right away. The canon How, event from across the Spider-Verse. Exactly. Do you know what? I haven't seen it yet, so please <gasps> no spoilers. I okay, no spoilers. No spoilers, get, but go see it, go see it, go see it. It's so good. I will good. get around to it. Don't you it's worry about it. It's the best superhero movie ever made. Quote me. That's, period. That a, that's a bold claim. I like quote that. Me, Fantastic. Quote me. It's beautiful. <laughs> go um, see it. You have homework. So, so how important is it to empathize with prospects? And, and what sort of techniques can we leverage to, to uh, and what sort of techniques can we leverage for that? Empathy makes us deeply human. Honestly, if you want to, if you want to differentiate yourself from ChatGPT, empathy will be that. Empathy is that core differentiator between you and AI that could replace your job. You need to be thinking about how you would like to be treated, what the process is like, what friction looks like to them, because it's one thing to listen to somebody and be like, all right, this is their pain point. It's another to be able to empathize with them because then you'll get context and nuance that they aren't necessarily providing you. Because you're able to put yourself in their shoes. So it's going to give you more opportunities to talk to them. It's going to give you more opportunities to share, to figure out what's going to work for them. But you absolutely have to have empathy. Like that's honestly, if you want to, if you want to prevent yourself from losing your job to AI, empathy. 
that's that's a that's a conversation I've had quite a lot recently around the around AI because well just for one thing it fascinates me um and actually I think the terminator is a piece of AI come to life isn't he so it's yeah. relevant to this discussion particularly with the trust terminator but yeah. um it's the the focus of that conversation is yes AI is at the at this point in time it's used to augment human function rather than replace it and that you know as a as a webinar host that is quite encouraging i mm-hmm. imagine you know because then uh, you know it's not going to be a robot version of me doing all of this i i yeah. still have a job at the end of the day which is very nice um so when we're talking about um building relationships and, and you said uh previously you know it, it may take you slightly longer to get to the to the end of the line with um with a prospect how how do you go about balancing you know getting that balance right ensuring that you're building trust and you're building a relationship with your prospects but you're not compromising your quota you need to prioritize your time and so you need to think about like what's going to take what is it like 90% to get 10% or 10% to get 90% of impact so figure out what part of your day is going to get you closer to your quota and then block time off for that to prioritize that time. Because you obviously, like, I don't want you to miss your quota because you're like kissing babies and like passing out <laughs> lollipops. Like we want you to still have quota, but you need to prioritize and really kind of dig down to see like what's actually working. All right. Well, we cold call and we sprayed and prayed and it worked. Well, did it work? And if so, what parts of that worked? Is it because you cast such a wide net that like just based on statistics, you were bound to catch some fish? Or was there something that actually worked? Okay, you caught some fish. What is the, What are the patterns that aligned with that? Was it a leadership title that you specifically reached out to? Was it um, a specific vertical? Was it a specific type of collateral that you gave? So like figure out what's working beyond the spray and pray. Where are the patterns between the people that are converting so that you can see how you can rinse and repeat that? And then you can figure out like, what can I really lean in on and double down on that isn't going to take a lot of time, but is going to be able to convert. And then whatever time is left over, then you can really use that time to like foster and think about what's going to be helpful for people. So for example, let's say that there's a big account that you really want and there's someone that you know of there that's like your go-to person. And let's say they're a thought leader or they want to be a thought leader you should be doing a talk walker alert for them. If they win an award, you need to be congratulating them. If they do something, you need to be reading it. There's a thing about like showcasing, just doing those like tiny micro moments, those core memories. People remember the people who are cheering for them. They pay attention. So, and you should do that, like you should do it continually. Let's say that you have someone who is speaking at an event you should congratulate them. You should say like, oh, that's a really cool topic or whatever, but you need to do it more than once. And you need to make sure that you're doing that before you jump into their account, into their inbox or something like that, because you're fostering these tiny touch points. And then when you go to try to connect with them or you try to like go into their comments or go into their in-mail, they're going to recognize your name. Oh, this person's like always really positive or this person's like really nice or whatever. Still don't pitch, but open the door for that relationship to begin because you've already essentially knocked by celebrating them. But people remember, people pay attention to who's rooting for them. 
it's call it narcissism, call it awareness, call it whatever you want, but we pay attention. And that's a really great way to get on someone's radar. And then you can stay on their radar. I make a point to find the people and pay very close attention to the people who love HubSpot. And I make sure that I'm celebrating them. Now I care about them too, which makes it significantly easier for me, mm. but I want them to win and they know I want them to win. And so that makes the relationship work. They see that like, it takes two seconds for me, but it makes their day. They're like, oh, that's really nice. So figure out like how many times a day you're making someone that you want to connect with. Like how many times are you able to make them feel special? Absolutely. And just on the the time management piece, I suppose what you're really saying is be like Dr. Strange, use the time stone effectively. (laughs) (laughs) Block time blocking, honestly, though, is such a lifesaver. Like time blocking completely changed my workload because there are certain times where I'm like, I'm going to have to just set aside this block, this hour, this 30 minutes, this 15 minutes, and I'm just going to do blank and mm. I'm going to be hyper-focused. And if you're like me and you're just like scatterbrained sometimes and you can't do it, make it 10 minutes. You'd be surprised what you can do for 10 minutes if you're hyper-focused, but time blocking and really being thoughtful. Cause I thought, I think that we're all doing so much that there's also just a lot of stuff that we don't really have to do or we're doing stuff because it's on a to-do list, but it's not really serving us. It's not really getting you to the finish line. So having that kind of self audit of what am I doing? That's actually driving impact. If you can figure out what you're doing, that's creating the most impact for you. And then you hyper-focus on that. Then that's one way to accelerate without like burning out, losing your mind, all that stuff. Another piece on that we sort of mentioned there is in your messaging to people saying, oh, you've done a talk, congratulate them. Uh, You've excelled at this particular thing. You're saying, hey, nice job. How's how's it all going? I hope it's all going well, all that sort of thing. Then in the the trust terminators arsenal is is a tactic of inconsistency. So how is why is that consistency crucial when you're establishing trust and building that relationships? And and how do you maintain the consistency? You you mentioned, was it a tool that, it tracks whenever someone posts something. Is that correct? Talkwalker. So yeah. it wouldn't it wouldn't do like anytime they post. I'm not stalking people. Um, <laughs> but it's a so, it's a social listening thing. So it works like a Google alert. So if someone has something happen to them or someone's listed on an award or something like that, it's a really easy way for them to pop up mm. so that you can see what's happening. Also just following people on LinkedIn and being really thoughtful about like I'm I'm very much a believer in like half consumption, half creation. I think the best creators are also consuming. And I know that we're in this world where like everyone wants to be a thought leader, but you have to consume too. Like you have to be like actually in there seeing what people are saying, taking time to just scroll, not doom scroll, but like (laughs) consciously scroll to figure out like, okay, what are people talking about? Or is this someone that I'm, that I'm interested in learning more about? Like what's their POV on something? Um, Just taking that time. And honestly, it doesn't take that long. Like just, five to 10 minutes a day to just sit down and be like, I'm just going to thoughtfully scroll on LinkedIn, like a couple comments, whatever. It makes a difference. And just setting aside that time daily or even like every other day to do that, I think is a really good practice because you also, as business owners, whether you like it or not, there are conversations happening on social about you, about your brand, whether you like it or not. And so having that chance to kind of go in there and be consistent it's, it's really helpful. And also when you're thoughtfully scrolling and you're connecting with certain people, 
the algorithm's going to see that and it's going to reward you for that. So it's going to take less and less time for you to curate in the future because you're signaling, this is the kind of content that I want to engage with. Please give me more of this. And so just really kind of having that, that habit loop of I'm going to, I'm going to consciously consume and just start with LinkedIn, especially for B2B, just start with LinkedIn. You don't have to be everywhere. You absolutely do not have to be everywhere. Um, but just take that time, five to 10 minutes a day. And it can be like after lunch and you're just trying to like ramp back into meetings or something like that. And you're just not, not there yet mentally. Five to 10 minutes, block some time out. You're just going to scroll LinkedIn, see what people are talking about. Reach out to a couple people. It can make a difference. I suppose it's the consciously part of that though is the key part of it, isn't yes. it? Because as you said, you know, you can just get into doom scrolling very, very quickly. So having it that focus time, that's yeah. the key for that one. 100%. Uh, the kryptonite, Christina, of the yep. trust terminator is discovering your your discovering your prospects' pain points early on and working to resolve them. How can this be achieved quickly and efficiently? Listen more than you talk, and ask for de ask deeper questions. Don't think that they're saying like, "All right, well, what are you struggling with?" and that that answer encapsulates all of it, because you can dig deeper. Ask really insightful, thoughtful questions that show that you care and that you want to learn more about what, what's working with them, what's not working with them, and showcasing that you genuinely want to be helpful for them. That's, that's huge for them. But you also have to remember to, I forget who it was, I think it was Ogilvy that said it, but he said something like, even the consumer doesn't know what they want. Mm. So you could have, you could be talking to somebody about their pain point and they might have one idea of it, but the way that they're explaining that pain point might be three or four pain points linked, but they're only giving you that one perspective. Or they could be giving you one specific, like let's say that they're not the CEO, but they're like a top level decision maker. Their version of what a pain point could be could be very different from the person who needs that tool in the trenches. Like leadership's going to be like, it's too expensive, but someone in the trenches might be like, it doesn't even have the features we need. Mm. So you need to make sure that depending on like who you're talking to, are you getting everything from like leadership's POV of pain point all the way down to the actual user? Because if leadership's happy and you answer that pain point, great. But if the person who actually has to use the tool in the trenches isn't happy, then you're only going to have that contract until it's done. And then you're going to have to have this completely different relationship or different interaction once once you try because you're going to think like it's time to renew. And then leadership's going to be mad because they didn't get what they thought they were going to get. And they're not going to blame themselves. They're going to blame you because you didn't tell them that they didn't have this bell and whistle, this specific feature, all of these things. So you need to make sure that you're dig you're digging deep into that and don't take their original answer as the as like the golden nugget. It's not the golden ticket necessarily. It can be but not always. And then make sure that you're keeping that data somewhere so that anyone that's interacting with that person sees it. So if you're using a CRM, obviously I love HubSpot, but you, whatever you want to use, but use a CRM. So anyone that eventually talks to that person that they have data to support, like, all right, when we talked about this, this was the pain point that they said, has anything changed? Because those pain points, especially with everything that's happened since 2020 pain point shift, the company that was flush with cash last year is, is laying people off this year. So that pain point, if it was anything other than money, it's probably money now. And so those pain points shift too. And you also have to be aware of that. So it's, it's that whole like being customer obsessed 
mm. and staying up to date with them and seeing like, all right, how are things different for them? Is this going to impact the way they're using us? Are they going to want to downgrade? Are they going to want to change? How can we make them, how can we help them retain if the pain point they have now is completely different than the pain point that they had when they, when they signed with us, you have to be thoughtful about that. And you have to be just keep being mindful. And that could be anything from checking in every three months. It could be, if you know that there's a certain vertical that is associated with them and something happened in that vertical, just checking in with them. Like when the banks, the bank stuff happened in San Francisco a couple months ago, you got to wonder like how many of our customers were impacted by that and how can we reach out to them to say like, you may or may not have been impacted by this, but I just wanted to check on you. Mm. That goes a really long way to be like, our name was not even mentioned, but you were thoughtful enough and empathetic enough to think that it could. And so you wanted to check in. It's really, the check-in is incredibly powerful. Mm. Just the idea that, you know, someone is thinking of you. Yes. Yeah. 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 I just want to make sure you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So you got to ask good questions. You got to be like Batman, be the world's greatest detective. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) You see how I'm tying it all back to super. I love it. I love it. Good. Uh, okay, let's let's say that um, things have gone a bit sour. The, the trust terminator has worked its its evil magic on us, and let's say there's been a breakdown of trust with a customer, just like Iron Man and Captain America in Civil War, right? How do we go about regaining the trust of a customer who may have had a negative experience in the past? You have to own that negative experience. You Great have answer. to you have to own it. There's so many people who are like, "Nah, didn't happen." We'll just act like this mulligan. You have to own that experience. You have to own what you did wrong, how it could have been different and that you, you acknowledge that and that you want to move forward and here are the steps that you're going to take to move forward. But it all starts with having that ownership of it. You have to say my bad. You have to do a mea culpa. You have to. Now you can have the legal team look at your mea culpa before you send it out to anybody to make sure that you're protecting yourself, (laughs) but you have to mea culpa like you have to. So that's, that's number one. You absolutely have to do that. I think accountability also will go a, a huge way of just saying, do you know what? Yeah, that, that's fine. You know, the, whatever the negative experience was, that's on us. Let's try and make things better. I think the, that accountability will really go a long way to help foster that trust, even when it has been. Oh, absolutely. A so a great example of this is not B2B, but it's in the sphere. Um, so there's a YouTuber who has had some allegations recently. Those allegations in the past two but her apology YouTube video was her like singing a song on a ukulele. And so like it got a lot of awareness, but everyone was just like, what is this? Mm. <laughs> like, no, read the room. What are you doing with this? What is this? <laughs> but it's, it's true. Like it, accountability is huge. And the thing is, is that a lot of people, if you, if you own the mistake or you own whatever you did, like, it's not going to save you from everybody. There's going to be some people who are like, nope, we're done. Like, there's nothing you could do or say, like, I'm out. But for the people that are willing to have that salvaged relationship, like, if you can't even acknowledge and take accountability of your part of it, how can I trust you to do better if you can't acknowledge when you've done something poorly? And so, yeah, the, the accountability is, is priceless. You have, you have to absolutely just fall on your sword a bit. A hundred percent, but it will go a long way. So It will, it will. And people will remember that. And then you just, your job is to not repeat that pattern. 
Because once you start repeating the same pattern, then the accountability doesn't count anymore because you didn't do anything to really change that behavior pattern. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's it, excellently put, Christina. The trust terminator is now weakened. It's almost ready to give up the fight. What's the one key takeaway which can finish it off and that you would like everybody watching this to go away with today? Be as close to your customers and your prospects as humanly possible. If they have a problem with your pro- with your product or they have a pain point that you don't answer, potentially have them talk to product. Have them talk to your team. Let them know what the roadmap looks like. But getting them closer is going to not only make them feel heard and seen, but it's going to have them feel like they have a sense of ownership in the overall process. And so imagine if someone would love your product, but it doesn't have one specific key feature. If you know that other people are asking for that exact same feature and you put it to the product team, the product team builds it, creates it and all of these things, that person will eventually come to you, but then they'll also feel like they were a part of the reason that that feature even exists, which means when you do launch it, they're going to not only be a customer, but they're going to be a fan. They're going to be an advocate. They're going to spread the word like anything else. Anything you can do to make a prospect or a customer feel like they almost have like VIP behind the scenes access, (laughs) do it costs you absolutely nothing and makes them feel just a whole different level of special. And that's really hard to replicate. And that's a huge differentiator. If you're looking for a moat for your business, think about how you can make your customers and your prospects feel special. What can you offer them that literally no other company can offer them? Is it talk to product? Is it go to a conference? Is it talk to C-suite? Whatever that looks like. Figure out what that looks like for your brand. Get them as close as humanly possible. That's not a pain point. That's a bond. Bonds are incredibly hard to break. Excellent stuff. Thank you so much, Christina, for sharing your B2B superpowers with us today. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Well, there we go. That was Christina Garner on how to slay the trust terminator. I hope you enjoyed that episode and have come away full of ideas on how to keep building relationships and fostering trust with your clients. Remember to subscribe to the Essential B2B podcast wherever you get your pods and give us a five-star rating where possible. We'll be back next week with another episode of Essential B2B. Bye.